0: Adam. What's scarier? The kid from Poltergeist or the kid from Home Alone? Kids in general.
1: Coming to you almost live from inside a haunted house, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts.
0: I'm excited about our guests this show because not only Is she a ghost expert? But she's also probably the second girl we've ever had on The Unknown Studio.
1: I believe she is, as a matter of fact. And we're... So
0: we're one step closer to gender parity, which is good. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Marlis.
2: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here.
0: And we're glad you're here. Uh, Obviously, this is our Halloween episode, so we're going to be talking about haunted houses. And Marlis knows quite a bit about this.
1: It is uh, her area of expertise and that sounds really narrow like she is specifically an expert on ghosts that's
2: all i do day in day out i'm the spooky girl
1: there's nothing wrong with that
2: (laughs) she's not
0: creepy at all she's quite delightful thank you (laughs) so uh how did you become fascinated by ghosts particularly in edmonton
2: um, really, I've, I've had a fascination for the unexplained and the unknown my entire childhood, and uh, it's something that I used to love to read a lot about as a kid. I would always haunt <laughs> the uh, <laughs> area in the library where, where the, the spooky books were, and, and, but it was always a case of I couldn't read them unless I was in a room full of people, so I couldn't ever go down to my bedroom by myself and read a book of ghost stories. I had to read it in a crowded library or, or take it home and read it in the kitchen around my parents because I freak myself out. but well,
0: That's fine. I, I can't watch uh, scary movies by myself because they're upsetting
1: and I mm. can't
2: even
0: play scary video games by myself.
2: Excellent. I think we'll get along.
0: I think we will. I think we are getting along.
1: <laughs> yes. There's a lot of getting along
2: here.
0: So, um, so you, you were fascinated at a young age... How do you go about researching this kind of thing in in Edmonton in particular?
2: Well, it's really quite an amazing thing um, that really the way I started uh, was through writing. I'm I'm a writer professionally, and and, um, because it's a fascination, I just decided to start asking people about their experiences and their stories, and and I found that people were really, really willing to share. Um, I would go into an old building and just talk to whoever I could find and say, hey, do you have any? stories about this space and people um, almost always at least like nine and a half times out of ten had a spooky story to tell me Hmm. and so it was it was actually very easy to collect uh, a lot of stories
0: yes uh, in fact leading up to this show I asked as many people as possible, if they had ghost stories to share. And I don't think there was a single person who said, no, I've, I don't believe in or have never experienced or don't know anyone who's ever experienced such a thing.
2: It's interesting how widely um, accepted the uh, ghostly phenomena is. Uh, and yet it's something that we just don't really, you know, people... I think on a wide scale, don't necessarily like to admit to believing in ghosts because it sounds all very sort of flaky and, and mm-hmm. silly. And and to be completely frank, I don't know if I believe in ghosts or not because I've never seen one. And, and I think that's why I'm driven to explore the stories, because I I want some kind of understanding or, or resolution to the idea. And I, I guess I like the idea of believing in ghosts. But, you know, until I have that personal experience, I don't know that I can actually get there.
1: I'm actually the opposite of that. I am terrified by the concept of real ghosts. I don't want there to be real ghosts. I want them to stay the heck away from me. If I saw a real ghost, I would probably crap my pants. And uh, yet here I am also seeking out ghost stories for exactly the opposite reason. I don't know why that is.
0: But do you believe that they exist? I mean, I happen to know that you've experienced some unexplained phenomenon.
1: Uh, Yes, and yet at the same time, I'd say I lean more toward the no, I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah, I think I'm saying I need yeah. evidence.
0: Mm-hmm. Someone I, and the evidence would probably be downright upsetting, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the that's the big problem. It's this weird paradox.
1: And although I have experienced some strange stuff, just because mm-hmm. I can't explain it doesn't mean that there's not some non-ghostly explanation, which right. I ascribe to. Right. So,
0: so, so if if they exist, and we all think and don't hope, and variously <laughs> do hope that they do <laughs> exist, what the heck is the science behind these things? Like, is this a, uh, you know an interdimensional being that's, like my roommate, for example, firmly Mm -hmm. believes that ghosts are souls that have lost their way and are stuck between our reality and the ethereal plane. Mm which I kind of thought was a little bit of BS, That's <laughs> someone trying to apply reason to yeah. an unexplained phenomenon, mm-hmm. but you said you had a right. few scientific theories, or well, not so scientific. Well, I wouldn't
2: necessarily call them all science, and, and I guess that's, that's where the conundrum of Im- investigating ghostly phenomena comes in, that um, at this moment in time, we don't have any scientific tool, really, to, to measure it. Now, some ghost hunters, and I, I have a very good friend who I have been on some of his ghost investigations, <laughs> um, so he, he He might tell you differently, and and I guess it's it's all about thinking critically about it. But there are a few different um, sort of conventional ideas as to what could possibly explain this kind of phenomena. Um, One of them is the tape recorder idea and it's it's an idea that makes a a fair bit of sense to me in that it is sort of grounded kind of in physics um (laughs) in terms of energy can never be created nor destroyed and so the idea behind that is that anytime there is some kind of extreme emotional energy be that due to a trauma or due to some kind of you know em- emotional outburst often that's the, the the poltergeist explanation of of a angsty teenage girls being <laughs> um, you know being able to telekinetically move things and with
0: so many kids listening to the emo music nowadays i think you know 50 60 years from now there will be way more ghosts yeah that makes out a there, lot of sense to I me think. totally but anyways
2: so anyway there's the, the tape recorder idea that this energy uh, that is released during some kind of moment of extreme angst, uh, for lack of a better word, is imprinted on a space. And so, therefore, it's not even necessarily a spirit of a dead person. It's just uh, pent-up energy in in the space that is affecting itself on the space. Um, to me, this is particularly significant when you look at pl- spaces like uh, hotels or theaters, uh, places where there's a lot of people uh, who have been present in the space over years that the energy just kind of builds up and there's nowhere for the energy to go. Um, I think Walterdale Theater is a really interesting example of that in Edmonton. Um, it's it's a wonderful old building. It was built in 1912, I believe. And it was originally a, a, a fire, station. Mm-hmm. And so there there you have the pent-up excitement and and uh, trauma of firemen dealing with fires in this building for a good 50 years and then I believe it sat dormant for a few years and I think was used as a furniture uh, warehouse or something like that. Which, <laughs> not a lot of not, energy. Not a lot of energy there but then it in in oh gosh I don't even know when it became um, the theatre space I think in the 70s uh, it was then uh, renovated into a theatre space and has been the home of Walterdale Playhouse, uh, Canada's second oldest a community theater in in the country. I guess that would make sense. Canada's second oldest <laughs> community theater. Uh, so anyway, it has seen a lot of um, drama in its history <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
2: so uh, so anyway, I, I think that in a, in a space like that, it just makes sense that the the tape recorder is going to pick up on all of the energy of the actors who are dramatic sort so
0: but wouldn't it should still be measurable Why why haven't we created the uh ekg <laughs> the, meter the ghost yeah, yeah yeah on ghostbusters like <laughs> i want evidence i want to see auras and you know spectromet- spe- spectrographic photos <laughs> Uh, that show that ghosts are actually there. But
2: well, I'll don't. tell you a bit about the investigation that we did at Walterdale, uh, which was a very interesting night. Um, of course, month.
0: you have to do this at night. You're not allowed to hunt ghosts no, during the day.
2: No, well, like ghosts
1: ghosts just don't come out during the day. Yeah, they're, they're nocturnal, nocturnal yeah. and so you need to go out at night. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's, it's fair. So... <laughs> um, my, my ghost busting friend, or I guess he's not a ghostbuster. he's a ghost hunter. He wants to find them, he doesn't want As to. As opposed
1: to destroy them, oh, sorry, exactly. lock them in tiny little cases and then put them forever in a nuclear reactor in your basement to basically live out the rest of eternity together, not able to move on. The Ghostbusters
0: never really thought about this, did they? No. When they when they're gone and dead, what the hell happens to the containment unit? The, contain- the EPA comes and shuts it all down.
1: And then the ghosts all get released. Or just stay there for eternity, which in my opinion is even more horrifying. Those guys were terrible scientists. Terrible scientists. Continue, Miles.
2: So anyway... (laughs) Um, my friend Brad and I and uh, a few other uh, brave stalwart souls decided to spend the night at Walterdale Theatre. And it was a very interesting evening because Brad did bring along all of his scientific equipment like mm-hmm. uh, EMF readers uh, to check the, the various frequencies in the room. Apparently ghosts theoretically um, release high levels of EMF. Whatever that is electromagnetic field, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so theoretically, you can sense the presence of a ghost if there's a spike in the EMF levels. Um, also brought along digital voice recorders and encouraged us to uh, speak to the ghosts, and for them, because theoretically, ghosts are able to communicate with us or imprint on uh, digital. Uh, media so we uh we were encouraged to wander around the the theater space saying things like hello is anyone there can you hear us if so communicate with us using this uh, digital voice recorder so i have to
0: ask you did you feel adventurous or silly doing
2: this completely idiotic okay absolutely idiotic um it was uh, Highly entertaining, actually, the whole evening because, I mean, you enter in this spirit of extreme skepticism, Mm -hmm. but as the energy of the night goes on with the people... Uh, getting more and more spooked out, spooking each other out, Um, you start to lose a sense of the the critical side of your brain and you just enter into the total flakiness of of the time. So by about 2 in the morning, uh, I had pretty much embraced my inner flake. (laughs) And um, I actually had a really cool experience in, in the basement of the theater. The basement of the theater is very creepy. It's your quintessential haunted space uh it's dark it's damp it's cold there are rows and rows and rows of um props and prop storage with so you're in this dark space um with creepy things all around you and it's just primed for a ghost so by this point, again, as I'd mentioned, I'm not all that critical and I'm just talking into my, uh, my DV, uh, DVR and saying things like, is anybody there? Like
0: really quietly? Really
2: quietly. And, and with the little bit of the ghostly spooky waver to your voice. <laughs> Hello. You really had embraced it. Yeah, you, and you just got to go with it. And so, however... At the same time, I'm, you know, half of me is embraced my inner flag. The other half of me is like, oh, my God, this is so ridiculous. (laughs) And so I finally just sort of started to get a little bit mad and said, okay, come on. If you're there, show me a sign. Do something. Reach out and touch me. And as soon as I said that, I felt what felt like a fingernail touch the underside of my arm. Ew. At which point I snapped on the light, looked around me, I saw nothing, and yet I know that I felt something under my arm. And I'm not saying it was a ghost, it could have been a mosquito. Um I yeah, I those fingernail mosquitoes. <laughs> they're flying around everywhere. You gotta watch them. But anyway, it was it was it was kind of an interesting experience and again I didn't know what to make of it. I you know, I had I had no idea what to where to file that, but it was it was a very interesting experience. So
0: was it, are, so you say it might have been an, a mosquito. Sure. When you talk about a fingernail brushing the underside of your arm, I mean, that's a fairly specific stimulus that mm-hmm. you're talking about there. So I'm going to say it was a mosquito. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I, I just, I don't understand, like, what, did it run down the length of your arm? Just, or?
2: It went uh, from sort of my elbow to not quite my wrist so probably like two inches on my on the forearm on my forearm
0: now i'm not an entomologist and we have had an entomologist on the show that's awesome and i think that he would agree with me it wasn't a mosquito (laughs) it was probably a ghost it
2: it very well might have been a ghost uh and again that's where your sort of skeptical mind starts to you know jump into I, i
0: should point out i'm not i'm not Making fun of you, I, I'm just uh, I'm looking
1: for answers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> and
1: and he's using humor to break the uh, spine-tingling terror he is now. Seriously,
0: feeling. I was getting chills. I awesome. was getting chills.
1: All right, um, I'm going to segue off from that. We've talked a little bit about the science and and your theory of mm-hmm. of what ghosts are, and you brought up Walterdale Theatre, and I think that's a good place to start. Obviously, there are places in Edmonton, in our fair city, that are known to be haunted, mm-hmm. and uh, Walterdale as you mentioned, is one of those places. Um, I'd like to hear about some of these places. I'm certain Adam would like to hear about some of these places. Yes,
0: I want to know which places I need to avoid at specific times of the day.
1: And I'm certain our tens of listeners uh, are very interested in finding out what locations in Edmonton are haunted. So starting with the Walterdale and moving on from there, Marlis, give us your internet radio. Haunted tour of Edmonton.
2: Absolutely. Well, I will start with Walterdale because uh, Walterdale has a long history of ghosts and ghost stories, and uh, amongst the theatrical crowd, there's a, a real sort of affectionate belief in the ghost of Walter, who who lives in the Walterdale. Uh, nobody knows whether Walter was perhaps a fireman who worked there originally, or if he's a long-standing member of the theater community. R- we really don't know, but there have been many sightings and many experiences in the building with, with the ghost, so-called Walter. And uh, w- most common, you hear footsteps when there's no one else in the theater space. Um, w- w- one of the costume ladies who has worked at, at Walterdale for years and years has had several experiences where she's alone in the building at two in the morning because she's working on a deadline, and she hears footsteps walk across the uh, green room upstairs, and the sewing room is also upstairs, so very close by. Also rattling at the doors, uh, at which point she she doesn't usually get a, get frightened by this experience. She just decides it's time to, you know, pack up for the night and go home. <laughs> um, one of my favorite stories, though, that came out of Walter Dale is from uh, a woman who uh, was a stage manager and has, has stage managed there uh, regularly. And she always... Uh, while cleaning up, just says, you know, see you later, Walter. Have a good night, Walter. And it's it's very common for, for Walter Walterdale members to be generous and kind to their spiritual friend. And um, so she one one night was cleaning up and was turning off the lights, and she said, "Good night, Walter." And somebody said, "Good night, Pat."
0: Just like that.
2: Just like that.
0: Someone had to be playing a joke on her.
2: She left the building as quickly as humanly possible.
1: I don't know what to say. <laughs> Stunned silence. Ter- a terrified silence descends upon the unknown studio. Well,
0: it's weird when you, uh, when you call out not expecting an answer and that's exactly what you get. That's when the pants fill up with mm-hmm. uh, unmentionable stuff. It's true. Um, <laughs> remind me never to go see a play there. Or to wait after a play to see what else happens.
2: Uh, I think you can safely go see a show there. I, I don't want to discourage anyone from <laughs> from seeing shows. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, well, the, and then if you if you want to uh, continue your ghostly theater tour, you can walk across the street and go to the Varcona Theater. Now I have asked the officials at the Parscona Theater if they have any experiences there and and the officials in the space say the the official word is There are no ghosts at the Varscona Theater.
0: Ooh, strong denial.
2: Strong denial. So you always know, as as a journalist, I know this, that when somebody says, you know, I did not have sexual relations (laughs) with that woman, you you dig a little bit farther. Or in this
1: case, uh, sexual relations with that spiritual
2: entity. That's right. So uh, so I've talked to a few of the people who've done work at the the Varscona, and similarly, uh, people who have spent long hours in the space. Technicians, of course, are, are frequent uh, viewers of ghostly phenomena. And uh, one technician uh, was a scenic painter who was spending the night on a deadline trying to get her, her set painted, and she... The lights were dim in the house, uh, but the lights on the stage were on uh, quite bright. So, of course, if you're on a, a bright stage looking into the dark of a theater space, it's a little hard to see. And but when she looked out, she sort of sensed movement in the theater space. And so she just called out and said, hello, is anyone there? And of course, there was no answer. But she just sort of had the, the just that sinking feeling, the prickling feeling in the back of her neck that somebody was in the space. So she did a little walk around because it is it's in the White Ave area, and and you know who knows who could have broken into the space. And and so she did a little walk around, and she couldn't find anybody. So she went back to work, and but she turned the lights on in the house so that she could see everything. Yeah. And at one point, she looked out into the house and saw a kid sitting in the audience. Looked like a, you know, white av kid, um, totally fleshy and, you know, of, of corporal <laughs> existence. And uh, she said, hey, what are you doing here? And the kid disappeared.
0: Oh, come on. Okay, I'm going to throw this <laughs> theory out there. <clears throat> Theater people are very creative and imaginative, and they work strange hours. And when they're in the theater late at night, the brain starts doing the crazy thing, and they think they see ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Strong denial from Adam now.
2: So do we need to dig a little deeper? I think we do. I think we
0: do. I don't want to, but for our tens of listeners, we do.
2: All
1: right, well, that's actually a good point. Adam says... Theatre people are prone to see ghosts because they're creative types, they're prone to see that kind of stuff when they've been up late hours and they're running off of their caffeine buzz and they're uh, up in the middle of the night in a, in a crazy energy filled place. What non-theatre locations in Edmonton are known for having ghostly encounters?
2: Well, one of my favorite non-theater spaces, uh, and it happens to be right around the corner from my house. So uh, I've been very tempted to park outside one night and just watch for a long period of time. And that is the Mackay Avenue School, uh, which is currently the Edmonton Public School Board Archives and Museum. Right. Uh, so it is a public space you can go there you can check it out for yourself and uh, it it is a wonderful it's one of those old brick schools really really beautiful and beautifully renovated spaces and the the ghostly phenomena started when the the space was renovated in I think the I believe the late 80s and a caretaker um, on, on the project was was getting a lot of complaints from the workers of doors that they know they locked the night before would be open and windows that they know they closed would be open and uh, they'd put a hammer down. And it wouldn't be in that same place when they left it, even though that they knew that there was nobody in the space between times th- that they had been there. So he was getting a lot of complaints. So he decided to look into this. And I don't know really whatever possessed him to do this, rather than, you know, call the police or something like that. He he brought in a Ouija board. And... Uh,
0: <laughs> Someone's stealing your tools? There's only one
1: thing to do. Exactly. So... <laughs> And that's to call in the big
2: guns. (laughs) So he brought in this Ouija board and uh, contacted a spirit, um, so-called, by the name of Peter. And Peter claimed that he had been a worker when the beautiful brick school was originally built in 1904. And apparently he had fallen off the roof and died during the construction of Mackay Avenue School. And so he had sort of stuck around... Uh, as ghosts are wont to do, and uh, he uh, and I don't know if he had perhaps been sleeping or was dormant during the period of time up until the renovations, and the renovations kind of disturbed him and woke him up. But uh, he he, ha- he wasn't malevolent in any, in any way. He was just more mischievous and and wanting to to play with the, the the workers and so ever since then there have been stories about Peter and and to the extent that in the renovations and it seemed that the fourth floor was the most active is, that the, space. is that
0: the top floor
2: that's the top floor and that was actually historically the place where the first seat of the Alberta government uh, lived sad. Ooh. Not just so, ghosts
0: but skeletons exactly. as well. Exactly.
2: So uh, they they found that there was the, the most activity up in this space and during when it was a school it was the gym, uh, the school gym. And stories go actually that There was some activity prior to the renovations, because at one point a letter went home with students who were studying at this school saying, um, Jim has been canceled for the foreseeable future due to unexplainable circumstances. So it would appear that there are, there have been, uh, there's a long history of hauntings in this building.
0: So, uh, and, and in behind that building, they have an old schoolhouse too. Is there anything uh, fishy going on? I mean, it's a single room thing. That's
2: right. And absolutely, it is considered to be actually one of the most haunted spaces in edmonton Holy crap. um it's it's a wonderful little building and it's been i i believe since 1881 it was edmonton's first schoolhouse and so it has a long-standing history and i think you could perhaps apply the same kind of theory to that building that it's seen a lot of people's a lot of of people lots of teenage angst over the years and so perhaps some of that angst has gotten trapped in that building as well
1: turn of the century emo
2: exactly yeah yeah.
1: Now, I actually know of a haunted place in the Edmonton area Ooh. that I'm going to bring up because um, I, I don't actually know if you might know about it or not. In St. Albert, there is a noteworthy haunted location. I was uh, I was raised in St. Albert, so I'm fairly familiar with the, uh, with the neighborhood. Uh, if you go down Perrin Street and come to the intersection with St. Anne Street, uh, you will find an old Bank of Montreal building, which is now, I believe, a bridal shop if you go there today. Uh, that Bank of Montreal building is notorious in St. Albert circles for also being haunted by, apparently, the uh, the story goes, the ghost of a bank clerk who once worked there. And to this day, people who work in, in what is now the shop or the art gallery or whatever is there at any given time uh, will hear someone going up and down the back stairs to the second floor. We'll hear people moving around upstairs when there's no one there. And uh, people have even, as I understand it, reported sightings of seeing people, or seeing a, a person looking out of the top floor windows when the store is closed and no one is there. Ooh. Ooh. So we're talking about uh,
0: phenomena that, that appear to be restless and bored out of their minds, mm-hmm. so they cause mischief. Are there any malevolent ghosts in Edmonton Mm. that you know of.
2: Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because talking about the uh, Mackay Avenue School, it actually turned ugly at one point. Um, With this whole um, Ouija board business, apparently a spirit, whether it was Peter or not, but somebody followed this caretaker home and took over his house. And that's I don't know I, I I think you you can only put so much stock in a game that you know is a Ouija board brought to you by Parker Brothers. Um, <laughs> I thought it was Milton Bradley. <laughs> Either way, evil, evil. So you know, I, I use your your critical brains on that one. I'm not I'm not sure, but he claims that a spirit has has followed him home to his house, uh, wreaked havoc poltergeist-type activity, so, um, you know, curtains tied up in knots and family pets terrified and all kinds of really kind of destructive, crazy stuff happening in his house. At which point he had, when he had had enough of it, which I would think would happen fairly quickly, uh, he just said to the spirit, look, you are not welcome here. Please go away. Uh, I, I, I can't deal with you. At which point... Uh, he didn't have any more experiences. So that at least that phenomenon seemed to be fairly short-lived. Fortunately, in the vast majority of the stories that I've collected, I haven't heard a lot of really scary stories. Uh, really negative stories. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways it is it is determined by the outlook of the person who's having the experience. In that, if they welcome the experience or are kind of interested or excited by it, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of impacts the interaction that they have. And that, you know, just the way you uh, interact with a person, if you are interested in and welcome the person, chances are good you're going to have a better interaction than if you are uh hating it and scared of it
0: well i think most people find it you know like you said fascinating they want to know after encountering such a thing what the history of the building Mm -hmm. is who may have died there what kind of action the place saw and uh i've been on the old strathcona ghost tour Mm -hmm. and i mean white abs obviously there are old buildings there but they've got some really really interesting stories and weird stuff that's gone down it you know it Makes you realize that White Ave is more than just a place to get drunk. Hear, <laughs> <You're>
2: hear. <here. laughs> um, I, I, actually, another really great story in the White Ave area is the Strathcona Hotel. Of course, you know, the Strathcona is kind of a, um, a what would you say? Well, I'll
0: say, I'll say it right now, and, and Scott will have to beep this out, but it's a hole.
2: It is. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's seen its fair share of people over the years. And its better days. And its better days. And as a matter of fact, 20 years ago, I believe it was in the early 90s, there was a terrible murder at the Strathcona Hotel. Uh, a woman was found stuffed into a suitcase, and I believe it was just her torso and legs that were... Torso murder. That's fantastic.
1: That's the great preface to a good ghost story right there. I want to hear more. Continue.
2: <laughs> and I believe the murderer was never actually caught. So it's one of Edmonton's cold case unsolved mysteries. Ooh. And however, now, again, people who stay at the stress, um might have other issues going on. Um, <laughs> yes, <other> cocaine's than... <laughs> a hell of a drug. <laughs> yes. But there have been stories of shrieks in the middle of the night coming from the room where the woman's body was found and footsteps down the hallway when there are nobody there when there's nobody else in in the hotel space so there's definitely some interesting activity going on at the Strath uh, supernatural as opposed to other interesting activity
1: (laughs) so we've heard about uh haunted theaters haunted banks haunted schools and haunted hotels in Edmonton and on that note this is a good place to take a break so we will be right back have you considered sponsoring or advertising on a local podcast well this is your opportunity the unknown studio is looking for advertisers if you're interested contact adam at theunknownstudio.ca or scott at theunknownstudio.ca and this space could be filled with your ad now back to the show
0: we talked about uh, haunted public spaces. Uh, Edmonton is also, you know, full of old houses from the early 1900s. And maybe, maybe it'd be a little bit of a stretch to say the late 1800s. Certainly at Fort Edmonton, Mm -hmm. these things exist. But have you heard of any private homes in the city that are are currently haunted?
2: Absolutely. There's uh, a wonderful big old Victorian house uh, in the mm, sort of where would you say, 124th Street area in that general vicinity, a uh, beautiful old Victorian house uh, that has a resident ghost. And the occupants of the house first discovered that something was slightly amiss with their fantastic, fantastic space when they were having uh, a, a, an elegant dinner in their large dining room, and on the one wall in their dining room, they had a very large mirror. It was, in fact, if you were an Ikea shopper, you will know which mirror I'm talking about. It is a large, probably five- or six-foot mirror with a big, dark brown frame around mm-hmm. it, so it's very heavy, and this mirror was on their their dining room wall, and... Two of the, the guests of the house at the dinner party saw this mirror move several inches, slide several inches along the wall. And then the mirror, just for no good reason, fell off the wall and, of course, broke into a million pieces. So that was the first hint that something was a little bit strange in their house. The second thing that was a little bit strange was every time they went down into the basement, of course, it's an old, creepy basement from 1912. See,
0: if I bought a house like that, I'd fill the basement with concrete. Because you'd know there's a ghost down there. And when you put your deep freeze down there and go to get bread, and then you're gone, you know, you can't enjoy a sandwich. Mm So (laughs) so, uh, first thing I would do is seal off the basement.
2: And really, that's sort of what they feel they should have done. Because there's just all kinds of creepiness. There's a bad vibe in in the basement and it has it's original 1912 furnace. And so it's this big behemoth of a thing mm. and it's it is very scary. I've been down there and it it has a very creepy vibe. But and this is one of my questions about exploring ghostly phenomena. Is you know I think as as human beings we are so primed based on the aesthetics of the space that if it looks creepy well it probably is creepy but if it looks all you know sunshiny and happy it, does it can you still have a creepy vibe in in a happy place and. I, I'm inclined to think that, yes, you probably can, and, and that it is based on the energy in, in the space. But uh, I think that you're especially primed for it when the space looks creepy and cobwebby. Yeah. and you know, so, so, But anyway, you do go down into this basement, and the area around the furnace is especially, the, the air feels heavy. And you get sort of an uncomfortable st- feeling in the pit of your stomach. So uh, they, they tried to avoid spending much time down there. And, and, but at one point, they did have to call in a furnace repairman. And he went down there, was back upstairs in about three minutes, and said, yep, everything's fine. Um, bye.
0: Didn't even collect his check? Didn't
2: collect his check. Didn't, didn't fix the problem. Didn't fix the furnace. Uh, just, just got the heck out of there as soon as he possibly could.
1: And you have to know that a furnace repairman has seen his fair share of creepy basements. Oh yeah, totally. So it's that's actually a rather unnerving thing to see. Is you know the tough furnace guy go downstairs and come up five minutes later, and just bolt out the door.
2: It's true. And
1: I'd be following him out the door, is yeah. what I'm saying.
0: Put the house up for sale,
2: like
1: and go and and go stay with your parents for a few days. <laughs>
2: One of the best things, though, about the, this house, and and I I love this story, that um, they the the couple who lives in the house, always, uh, when you know when one of them comes into the house, calls to the other one and says, "Hi, honey, I'm home." That that kind of thing, and on occasion they've heard the door open and close, thinking that it's locked, so assuming that whoever is coming in has a key, the door opens and closes. And then you hear footsteps on the steps, going upstairs to the, to the second floor of the house. And one or the other of them will come out and say, oh, hi, hi Annie, I see you're home, and nobody's there. And then similarly, when they are both on the main floor, they will hear footsteps coming down the steps, very distinctly. And one day, and I, I think this is just the most amazing thing, one day, they hear the footsteps, so they both freeze and listen, and then they hear boom, 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 boom. The ghost fell down the stairs.
0: <laughs> Clumsy oaf! Don't make fun of ghosts. <laughs> um, have they thought about selling the house?
2: Uh, they don't actually own it; they rent. Ah. Um, for the most part, they really welcome. The, it's, it's a good story.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, they, they like the sense of history that it, that it lends to the space. And they really just sort of made peace with the fact that they're sharing it with uh, a, a spirit friend.
0: I wonder if they asked, like the, like the guy who had the Ouija board ghost mm-hmm. from the school following follow him home, I wonder if they could just ask the spirit to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Assuming it's a spirit at all, because I still don't believe, even though I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> um, And then if you do go to sell the house, do you have to, in in good conscience, Mm. say, maybe haunted or occupied or something? Mm.
1: I've heard of litigation taking place in the United States over someone who bought a house and ended up getting chased out by some sort of haunting, some sort of ghostly experience and phenomenon, and they took the realtor to court saying that he should have made it clear that the place was... and they Because they did some history and they found out that the previous tenants had left because of the exact same stuff, because there was some weird stuff going on. And they went and took the realtor to court saying, you should have told us the place was haunted, otherwise we wouldn't have bought it, and you owe us money in compensation. Mm-hmm. And I I honestly don't know what the result of that litigation was or if it's still ongoing, but the fact that it happened at all, I mean, that's... Interesting to me. I don't know.
0: I wonder if insurance companies have policies around hauntings.
1: Probably Mm. not.
0: I'll have to check progressive.com, I think.
1: (laughs) Get your ghost insurance.
0: Yeah. So you've never actually experienced any of these ghostly phenomena yourself, but you have, Scott, Mm. or let's, maybe not ghostly, but certainly unexplained.
1: Yes, I have one sort of ghostly story, And, and I'm... Again, I'll preface that I don't necessarily believe there were ghosts involved, but it, it was something that I could not explain at the time and still cannot explain nor have a theory to what it was. Oh, well,
0: we'll develop a theory, Yay. won't we?
1: So I used to attend a summer camp uh, when I was younger uh, in my early teen years. And the last year that I was there, I went to uh, the leadership camp to become uh, a camp counselor and uh, attended several weeks of camp as a, in a counselor capacity. And uh, the counselors, obviously, being a bit older, teenagers would uh stay out a little later than the kids and whatnot and uh on the the I think the last week of camp was like the older kids camp so the counselors had even less to do because you don't really need to babysit them as much and uh on I think the Friday night we let everybody stay up just a little bit later and you know whatnot uh but there came a point late in the night early in the morning perhaps even where I was sent out behind the dormitory which was uh A separate dormitory but one building half for the girls half for the guys to round up all the kids who were hanging out out back and shunt them off to bed.
2: This is a horror movie in the main. I know!
1: uh, It's sounding like Camp Crystal Lake every every step of the way. I
0: imagine Scott the whole time was just like happy go lucky just like whistling down the hallway I'm gonna go get everyone from outside.
1: So I go out the back door and uh, I say hey guys it's time to go inside and everybody okay no problem gathers their stuff all heads in And I do a quick sweep of the area to make sure I haven't missed anybody because you don't want to leave someone outside. Um, Now, behind the dorm, there is basically just forest. And then a little ways down the way, you can kind of see uh, a clearing where the caretaker's house is. And he and his wife live there and and whatever. We didn't really see much of them during during camp, so I couldn't even tell you what their names were. Um, And after I did my sweep, I looked back, and there were some lights headed... Through the bush towards the dormitory. And for an instant, I thought it was some people with flashlights heading towards the dorm. But before I called out to the lights, like, hey, you need to go inside now, it dawned on me that the lights were actually really high up in the tree line and really farther off in the forest and were kind of floating. And that's when I decided it was time to go back inside (laughs) the dormitory. And uh, glanced out the window after I'd closed the door and didn't see the lights anymore. So uh, to this day, I'm not entirely certain what it was, like some weird will-o-the-wisp thing going on there. But uh, it wasn't flashlights, dear listener. Are it there... wasn't flashlights.
0: <laughs> were there Are there insects out there whose, whose bums glow?
1: Now, conceivably, it could have been fireflies, but I don't remember ever seeing much in the way of fireflies around that camp area. And cause it was like northern Alberta, even in the summertime. And they were quite bright. Yeah, for fireflies, fireflies are pretty.
2: Is it was it at all a watery area? Was there was it swampy at all?
1: Not out behind the dormitory, okay. now. So I don't think it was ignited like swamp, swamp gas, gas which yeah. is is that where a you common were explanation?
2: It is absolutely. Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. Uh, suffice to say, I haven't come up with a reasonable explanation yet.
2: Maybe it was a UFO.
1: Uh, Could have been.
2: That's just. But as that's possible. an entirely. Do, do we believe in those? <laughs> but, I don't.
1: You know what? Aliens and UFOs are an entirely different podcast. So
2: Apparently.
0: fair enough. Um, I don't actually, I've never experienced any ghost stories. My mom tells one story, um, shortly after my grandfather passed away, uh, my grandma was hanging out in her apartment, uh, in bed, couldn't sleep. She hears a knock at the door. Now, my grandpa had had a stroke in the early 1980s and, and was paralyzed. He couldn't walk anymore. So bear this in mind as I tell the story. Grandma gets up thinking it's kind of late for someone to be calling on her and she answers the door. Well, There stood her late husband, who said to her, Marie, uh, you need to come with me. And she said, no, I'm not going with you. And by the way, you have no business standing on your feet. What the hell are you doing? And he said, no, you have to come with me. And she said, I'm not ready yet. I don't want to go with you. I'm not ready yet. And he said, okay, but I'll see you soon. Shuffles off. And uh, now I don't remember the timeline exactly, but shortly after my grandfather passed away, say within a year... My grandma was diagnosed with cancer, and she died shortly thereafter. So, the spirit of my dead grandfather came to collect her soul.
2: Dun-dun-dun. Exactly. That's actually a very common sort of brand of ghost stories in, in terms of loved ones coming back to comfort the, the, the people who are still, uh, who, are, who are left behind in, in this realm to uh to say hey it's not so bad i haven't heard too many stories of them actually you know playing the grim reaper (laughs) but uh but that's that's a really that's a very cool story
0: yeah i think it's true i think i remember it correctly Mm -hmm. (laughs) we had asked a few other people um on twitter and online to send us uh ghost stories that they had and i picked one because i thought it was particularly awesome and it's from uh a friend of ours who actually came up th- with the name for this podcast, Mr. Daryl Hook, sent us a, a ghost story about uh, something that his grandfather had experienced. So I'm going to read that out to you, and it'll only take a little while. A short while, that is. So in 1935, Daryl's grandfather was the principal of a school in Rocky Mountain House. And one e- uh, One evening he was at a meeting in a neighboring town. It was July, but the night was already dark, foggy, and raining hard. As the meeting was drawing to a close, someone rushed in with word that... Daryl's grandmother, had gone into labor and there were complications, so Grandpa had to get home right away. So he set off in his old car on those old country roads, driving much faster than the conditions allowed. And after about 10 minutes of driving, he suddenly heard a voice in the back seat say, Slow down. So he stopped the car, looked around, and saw nobody. Thinking he'd imagined it, he raced off again. And moments later, he heard the voice a second time, more insistently urging him to slow down. This time he stopped the car entirely and checked it thoroughly, even looking in the trunk, but still found no one. Thinking this must be a sign from someone, he proceeded again at a reasonable rate of speed. And a few minutes down the road, he turned a sharp corner and found that the bridge over the river had washed away. Had he been traveling at his original speed, he would have driven into the river and drowned. So maybe this is less a story of ghosts and more a story of guardian angels. Now, a few years later, Daryl's grandfather again... He was walking home from school when he heard the voice. This time it said, go to Castor. So, (laughs) which is weird, right? It's like, go to Mecca. But Castor is a town in Alberta. Uh, Every weekend, he and his wife traveled either to Castor to visit his parents or Alliance to visit her folks. And they had just been to Castor the weekend before. So they'd been planning to visit Alliance, but after hearing the voice, his grandpa suggested they return to Castor that weekend. Well, Friday night, they arrive in Castor, uh, but grandpa couldn't sleep, and he was wondering why he had been told to come there. When the sun came up around five, he decided to get dressed and go for a walk, and as he crossed a field, he saw a young boy running down a nearby road. He called him over, and the boy explained that his father was very sick. He was going into town to get a doctor. So, Grandpa said, it'll be faster if we drive, and he ran back to the homestead, drove the boy to town, they woke up the doctor and brought him over to the sick man. It turned out the man was dying and desperately needed a blood transfusion, but he was a rare blood type. The boy and the doctor were not a match, but Grandfather was. So, the doctor took blood from Grandpa and saved the man's life. Now, that is a happy ghost story. That's
2: so cool. I love that. That's a really great story. I actually had it, had it. I, you know, I, I, haven't ever saved anybody's life because of my, you know, <laughs> rare blood type. But had a similar experience as a kid. Um, I lived in the country, grew up in the country in central Alberta, and it was a snowy, stormy night, as they always are. And I had been at a birthday party. I was about fourteen years old, and and I had been at a birthday party on a farm, way the heck in the middle of absolutely nowhere. So at about two in the morning, I had I had very <sighs> great parents who would drive me wherever I needed to go. And so at about two in the morning, I had made the phone call of, okay, I'm ready to come home now. And so my mom came out to get me in the middle of freaking nowhere. And uh, of course, she was in a hurry to get home. And so we were driving down a country road way too fast. And we saw in the ditch quite a ways ahead of us, a man who was all dressed in black, uh, with big black bushy beard, and just sort of almost a menacing presence, but Mm -hmm. we thought, oh my gosh, I mean it's it's two o'clock in the morning on a country road, this, you know, country people stop and help people if they're on the side of the road on a snowy morning in January. So we slowed right down and stopped and called out the window, do you need any help? And then all of a sudden, like, it was, it was dark and it was snowy, and we couldn't see the man anymore. The, the man wasn't there anymore. So we got back into the car and, and kept driving, and my mom was a little bit rattled, and I didn't think too much about it, to be completely honest, but she, she was a little bit rattled, so she drove quite slowly. And just a few feet ahead uh, was a whole herd of deer on the road. That if we had been going, barreling down the road at our rate, uh, we would have hit those deer. Absolutely.
0: So the menacing Johnny Cash impersonator with the beard stopped you from smashing into a bunch of deer. That's still terrifying. Mm.
2: But nice. <laughs> but very nice.
1: <laughs> very nice of that scary ghost. That's right. To uh, slow you down. We're
2: quite grateful for him. Indeed, I have more stories. I want to hear more okay. stories. Um, I can talk a bit more about uh, one of the investigations that we went on, and and I have in to, addition to the Walter in Dale addition one? to the Walterdale. Great. Um, now I have to say that this this must remain an undisclosed public location, because the people who run this space. Um, Are are not comfortable with advertising the fact that it is a haunted space so so we we, we must just go with undisclosed public location (laughs) um, in the Strathcona area Um, and it's a public space that sees a lot of people again uh, a lot of young people and in this area is the supposed haunting of of a young girl named Emily who uh, has enjoyed the use of the space that she was playing in, mm-hmm. and has decided to stay there for uh, the the future millennia to be eternity. eternity. Thank you. that's the word I was looking for <laughs> for, for eternity. And so she apparently plays. Uh, in, in this building. And uh, many people have seen her. She, she looks like a totally normal seven or eight-year-old child. Uh, you often hear laughter. Um, after hours, a lot of the employees in this space have heard the giggle of a little girl and have gone to investigate. And there's no little girl anywhere nearby. So uh, my mom actually uh, came with us on this investigation. And so, again, it's one of those things that's two in the morning. And, and I have to admit, on this particular investigation, my uh, flake level was not quite as high as the previous. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little um, irritated and kind of rolling my eyes because I'm feeling nothing. I'm sensing absolutely nothing. And I like to think of myself as a reasonably sensitive person. And, and you know, I'm certainly open to the possibility of... of Uh, the other world, and and I would like something to happen, but not so much that I want to create it in my mind. You know, I want to maintain some level of skepticism in order to be a good researcher. So anyway, my mom and I are in the hallway where Emily often appears, and we are encouraged to play with her and to sing songs with her and tell stories. So we're doing this, and we have our digital voice recorders with us, and uh, we completely botched the telling of The Three Little Bears. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure Emily, if she was listening, was not impressed by our storytelling ability. But uh, anyway, both of us are like, flatlining, absolutely nothing. We're getting nothing and feeling really ridiculous. So we hand in our digital voice recorders to uh, professional ghost hunter Brad. Brad uh, analyzes this data and he finds uh, an electronic voice phenomena on the DVR of a little girl, distinct voice of a little girl, saying, Did you come to play with me?
0: Oh, come on. That's just, that's just terrifying. Especially when there are children involved, menacing children.
1: Menacing, ghostly children. Yeah. Who
2: like to play.
1: And who might not have enjoyed your botched retelling of the three little bears. (laughs) It's
2: true. I think she was trying to distract us and uh, get us to... Stop. Stop.
1: So
0: you're certain you didn't hear this voice when you were telling the botched story?
2: Nothing. And we didn't sense any kind of presence. We didn't see anything. We didn't... In fact, we were being kind of silly. Uh, And... uh, She was quite excited at the prospect of of having somebody to play with her. And actually, in the the same investigation, this didn't happen to me personally, but um, one of the other investigators was in a secret haunted storage space in this building. Mm -hmm. And this building has seen a lot of teen activity and, again, a lot of teen angst. And she said to the ether, Is anyone there? Please talk to me. And when they analyzed the DVR... Uh, there was a voice that distinctly said, You bitch!
0: Oh, jeez. I'm getting chills. (laughs) This is just upsetting. Scott, you look pale.
1: I'm terrified. Absolutely terrified.
0: I really want to know where this place is, but I respect that the owners don't want us to know, so... uh,
1: It's probably for the best. No one ever go
0: to Old Strathcona again. It's, It's ghostly.
1: Well now that we're terrified to live in the city of Edmonton, um, I think it's a good time to cut in with the uh, Fast 15.
0: Oh, this is something that's a lot more pleasant. Well, it depends on what you like, but uh, for me, less terrifying than uh, ghost stories. The Fast 15 with Marlis Weber.
2: Da-na-na! Ghost
0: expert. Here we go, number one. Your favorite food? Turkey. Your favorite color? Blue. Mac, PC, or Linux? PC. Dogs or cats? Cats. What was your first vehicle or car? Mm, Pass Uh, Your favorite holiday
2: Mm, England Favorite sport Don't have one
0: Favorite pastime
2: Ghost hunting
0: (laughs) Favorite music right now Jazz Favorite movie
2: Princess Bride
0: The movie that you hate but everyone else seems to love
2: Mm, Moulin Rouge
0: The movie that you get made fun of for loving Mm,
2: Too many to count Oh okay
0: <laughs> uh, your proudest moment.
2: Mm. God okay that's that's a hard one. Yes, it is. Uh, proudest moment. Um, I feel like it should be something like the day that I got married. Um, I, I'm pretty proud of that day. That was a pretty awesome day. Um, and you know, I think graduating from university and and yeah, sure, we'll go with those two.
0: Fair enough. okay, now your wild card questions because you are a ghost expert. Mm-hmm. Who is the scariest horror movie character?
2: Mm, that's ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I would say, actually, um, the creepy little old lady in Rosemary's Baby. Oh,
0: good answer. And who is unintentionally the funniest horror movie character?
2: Mm. Chucky. I
0: knew you were gonna say that.
1: I don't even think it's unintentional anymore. I think it was unintentional with the first Child's yeah. Play and then from there it just kind of degenerated into them going, "Yeah, we've got a funny
0: movie." The same same thing with a Leprechaun. Did you guys ever see Leprechaun? What a just a terrible movie.
1: I would argue the same thing happened with Evil Dead. And I know Evil Dead is a cult classic, but the first movie was legitimately scary. It scared me. Yeah. The second movie was hilariously yes. bad, and the third one equally so. It just kind of degenerated from the first one. So, and there what can you
0: have the Fast 15 with Marlos Weber.
2: Cool.
1: So, obviously, this was our Halloween episode. We spoke about ghosts and whatnot, and it was enjoyable. Uh, I certainly enjoyed myself. Um, What do we have lined up for next time?
0: Next time, we're going to be talking to the creators of the website, theedmontonian.com. They're going to talk to us about what they like about the city. They're not from here, so... We'll get some insight into what it's like to live in Edmonton if you're not from Edmonton, which I think is pretty cool.
1: I think that's pretty... Uh, not as cool as ghosts, admittedly. No. But uh, cool nonetheless. And likely a return to some Star Trek uh, stuff yeah, at that point Yeah, I didn't
0: well. get to reference Star Trek once, and that's because I don't believe a Halloween episode was ever made, except in the original
1: series. There was a spooky episode in the original series. Look, you just derailed the conversation yes. back into Star Trek before Slow the end. for me. All right, well, Marlis, it's been fabulous having you on The Unknown Studio. We'll definitely have you back perhaps next Halloween. My
2: pleasure. Thanks for coming, Marlis. Thanks a
1: lot. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 10. Our guest, Marlis Weber, our topic, Ghosts. pre production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.